the Flipside Podcast. On this week's episode of the Flipside Podcast. Well, I guess my question to you, Stephanie, is did you have a problem with the cages when Barack Obama built them? Well, I don't I don't know that to be fact or fiction. Um, oh, that's a what fact. I, what... Ooh, John. That's a fact. We can look it up. Excited and back on another Thursday. Welcome to the new listeners. Welcome back to our faithful listeners that have been with us from the beginning. We're ready to present episode five of the Flipside Podcast. Today is the first of our dynamic debates that we have planned. This will be episode five, Dynamic Debate Part One, as a conservative and a liberal respectfully disagree. Gracious opportunity that we had to talk to two people who I respect very much, listen to their views on some very controversial topics as we're currently in an election year. A lot of things have been going on, and they touch on some of the most palatable, some of the most interesting, but then that's also too. I don't think controversy is enough to be able to describe the environment, the temperament that people have these days when they see certain signs, whether it's Trump, Pence, Biden, Harris. It it just seems to invoke certain feelings and certain thoughts among people. And an interesting thought that a person shared with me is that, you know, this is a time where People are being forced to pick a side, pushed into one side, staying to one side. You know, who do you align with? What beliefs, what ideas do you have about people? And we're really forced to kind of pick sides and make a determination on which side of the fence that you're standing on. Our two guests definitely have their sides, but we're going to try to see if we can reach a common ground. So listen closely as you hear the two perspectives that are given, and make sure you join us for part two as we conclude the debate and hear the insights that were reached from both sides of the fence. So it's without further ado that I present our first dynamic debate on the Flipside podcast. I have asked two friends of mine to be able to bring their ideas and their perspectives to the table this evening for our first dynamic debate where we have a conservative and a liberal. So I'm going to ask our guests today to introduce themselves, but I'm going to start in a fashion that I think is fair and equitable and goes with the theme of the Flipside podcast, and that is to flip a coin to decide who goes first. So, Stephanie, I, am a, I was raised a certain way, so because you're the woman, I'm going to allow you to be able to call it heads or tails in the air. Okay, here we go. So here's the coin. It's official. Call it in the air. Tails. It is heads. I'll defer to Stephanie. She can go first because I was kind of raised the same way. (laughs) Perfect. I like that. Good. We're off to a wonderful start. So Stephanie, if you could start by introducing yourself and letting the listeners of the podcast know as much as you would like to share about yourself. Sure. So my name is Stephanie Allen. I am um, 
an advocate for um, education and for um, all things that support my people. I am a Black woman. I'm proud to be a Black woman. I am a mom of an amazing little boy um, who I am fully aware is an endangered species. And so I protect him wholeheartedly. I, I, I guess I would like to also share that I try to be open-minded and understanding of both views, partially because that's part of my work. But I, I lean heavily, especially in these days and age, heavily on my moral compass. I'm extremely excited to share this space with John and um, Ed. Thank you so much for, our, for having me tonight. Awesome. Very, very insightful. We appreciate us sharing about yourself. John, if you could tell our listeners about yourself. Sure. My name is John Sacco. I am a, what I like to call a constitutional conservative. Um, I believe wholeheartedly in the Constitution of the United States. Um, I'm a father of five with my children's ages ranging. I'm glad everybody's sitting down from 26 years old to four month old twin boys and, and, and a little in between. I am kind of off on my own doing my own thing um, with self-defense and safety and security. Perfect. So I, like Thank I said, you. we're very excited. Both of you are very, very respectful people that we'd love to hear from because you have interesting and exciting views. So to kick off the first topic, let's go with uh, mask, wearing a mask during this pandemic or anti-mask. John, since you started us off and you won the coin toss, would you like to be able to go first or would you like to be able to go second? I'll go first this time if it's okay. So John, tell us where you stand on the topic and give us some of your thoughts. Sure. So um, when I'm out in public and in, in stores, I guess I'll say, where they require a mask, I do wear a mask. If I'm walking down the sidewalk, I don't think I need a mask. I keep my distance from people. Um, I believe that some people have the whole mask thing as... I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not wearing it. If you don't want to wear a mask in somebody's place of business, then don't go in their place of business. I believe they have the right to require you to wear a mask in their private business. Um, the flip side of that is I don't want the government telling me I have to wear a mask all the time because that is stepping on my toes, I believe, for lack of a better term. Um, and that, that's where I am with that. I mean, and I believe if you want to wear a mask in your car by yourself, that's great. If you don't, I think that's great. You know, I just don't like when anything is pushed upon people. So when a business says you have to wear a mask, I don't think they're pushing the mask on you. You have an option not to use that business and go somewhere else, like change the channel, basically. Yeah. So yeah, on the mask, I'm kind of, if, if it works for you out in public, great. If not, I don't think that, I don't think you should be condemned for that either. Private industry has the right to ask you to wear it or not wear it. Great. Stephanie, your thoughts? 
Sure. So I'm um, a proponent of wearing the mask. And the reason why is because, I mean, needless to say, we've heard multiple times just via, um, you know, the media and as coverage has continued regarding COVID-19, how many lives have been lost. And so um, I believe that the mask is, is for sure needed um, in regards to protecting myself and protecting um, my fellow, my fellow human being, my fellow humans, right? My, my fellow um, people that I'm sharing this space with. So I'm definitely um, in the same um, in agreement with John. Um, where I, where I kind of differ is that I think, I think that it's necessary regardless. I don't really see it as uh, the government telling us anything because Needless to say, we have a, a person in the White House who himself is not wearing it. So I, I don't know if he's giving instructions on, on anything at this point. But what I will say is that the mask is needed until we can get this COVID-19 pandemic under control. Because I'm not willing to risk my life or the life of, of my elderly mom or the life of any of I'm not willing to risk any additional black or brown bodies because of disparities in the healthcare system because people aren't wearing their mask. So that's kind of where I stand there. Great. So let's open it up to the open floor. Any thoughts, ideas that you two would like to be able to share with each other? We have the opportunity to be able to discuss openly for about two minutes. Well, I mean, it sounds like she said we agree on most of it, um, we differ in a, in a little areas. You're, you're right, our government right now is not trying to mandate a mask, but Joe Biden wants to. And anytime the government is telling you how to live and what to do, that is not freedom in, in any way. You know, so that, that's where my statement came from with the government mandating it. I don't want the government mandating anything, wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the mask is needed, you know, especially in close quarters around strangers. Absolutely. To totally needed. And until we can, like you said, find a vaccination, vaccine rather, or, or something. So yes, I, I agree with her on that there. Steph, anything to add? Um, no, not, I, I don't think there, I, I think we agree on, on most of the parts, you know, this is, this is a lighter uh, of the topics I'm sure that we're going to be diving into tonight. You know, I, I, I'm so glad you mentioned Joe, John, because I, I do understand that Joe wants us to wear masks. And again, I just want to emphasize, I think that Joe is, is trying to keep, keep, us safe um, until we can get this better, better controlled. But ultimately, again, we're agreeing on, we're disagreeing on minor things versus the bigger of the issues. Good. I, I like agree. that. Great way to put that. So we have a, a, a strong agreement. So our next topic <laughs> is going to deal with in-person versus mail-in voting. Now, the question that I have isn't necessarily in favor of one or the other, but I would ask you, is in-person versus mail-in voting or absentee voting a real issue or is it a politically created debate to be able to flow people towards one side or the other for this upcoming election? Stephanie, we're going to start with you this time. 
Sure. So I think that um, when um, when locks are being put on mailboxes and mail is extremely delayed, I think that that is something that is it's being created to make a political stance. I also think that there are um, multiple examples where I'll talk personally. I've gone to the to the polling booth. There's been no need for identification and I've been asked for it. And I've had counterparts that live in the same community who have also gone right after me and have not been asked for it. So I, I certainly think that there's, there's an argument for both sides. I will say in this election, I will be at the polls. My, my vote will not be lost in the mailbox. My vote will not, I will not be uncertain in regards to it was cast. I, I, I will be there. And so I think that it is, in fact, a political um, strategy to, to go against one versus the other. Thank you. John, your thoughts on the topic. Is mail-in voting versus in-person voting a political strategy to pit one side against the other? Absolutely. I mean, everything either Republicans or Democrats do are made to pit us against one another. And that's that's sad. This is why, like something like we're doing tonight, sitting down, speaking to one another, is what we need more of. We need people who are different to talk and listen, and to say, you know what, I don't I don't agree with her or him, but that's okay. It doesn't make them a bad person. I'm not going to hate them. I'm not going to shut them down. So yes, I believe it's political on both sides of the aisle. Being in Philadelphia. When I, when I lived there for 53 years, I was involved in very small local politics. And I was actually a Democrat most of my life. And I've seen mostly corruption on voting on the Democratic side, unfortunately, with changing ballots, things like that. Yeah, I, I, I think I will personally be at the polls, just like Stephanie will be. Okay, so let's open the floor. It sounds like we do have some agreement for the majority of the topic in the sense of it is something that we believe is politically divisive and being used to pit one side against the other. Any things you'd like to be able to say to each other during the open floor before I ask questions? No, I, I, I no, go ahead. No, I, I think the only thing that I would say is that um, I don't know if the corruption in the in the election process leans more heavily on one party versus the other. I have my opinion that it leans more heavily on the Republican, but that's just based off of this last go around. But nonetheless, I think we're we're mostly in agreement that we're both going to be at the polls casting our our ballots this year. Right, and, and and for me, what I was saying, I've seen it more on the Democratic side because I was in a Democratic city as a Democrat, working the polls as a Democrat. So I don't know at the time what was happening on the Republican side. Plus, you know, there are some things going around in the media that we can see, you know, we've had some issues with voting and stuff. And it seems to be, they always have a D, not not 100%, obviously, nothing's 100%. But and that's just what's promoted because we know how the media likes to manipulate us. Right. Sure. So sure. it sounds like we have a pretty solid agreement, even more so than our first topic. So I'm going to transition on to our next topic as opposed to asking questions. We're going to start with you, John, this time. 
the topic is building the wall. So the president of the United States, President Trump, made one of his initiatives when he was running for office to build a wall between the United States and our neighbors to the South. I'd like to get your thoughts on that in the sense of were you for or against his mission to be able to build the wall? Okay, so I wanna give you a little background on me. I am the second generation born in this country. My grandparents all came over from Italy, um, all four of them. And they came the right way. And my, my father's mother came as a 12 year old girl by herself. Her parents couldn't come, so they sent her for the better life. She got here legally, went through the system. I don't know the whole story. I welcome any immigrant from any country. I just welcome you the right way. And you know, the old analogy is, everybody on here, we lock our doors at night. And if so, why? Because we want to know who's coming through the front door. That's all. I think we should accept everybody. Do I think the immigration process needs to be changed? Yes. I'm not an expert on it. But I do think if you want to come here, come here legally. And if a wall is what's going to stop you, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been down in Texas and on the Rio Grande. I mean, it's literally like a five-year-old can swim across. It's so short. Ten seconds. You know, no. so I am def- absolutely for a wall, and I am absolutely for immigrants from all over the world to come to this country the legal way. Stephanie, your thoughts? Um, well, I'm not. I'm not. Necess- I'm not for the wall. I do agree that we need to know who's coming in and out, but I will tell you. Uh, where I take my issue is when we say the legal way, because my ancestors came over here on a boat, shoved into the bottom level of a slave boat. And so I take issue with what, what that means to be the legal way, because our country has been doing this the incorrect way for decades, just centuries. And so I, I'm not for the wall. I think that we position ourselves as you know, come here and live the American dream. And then we shut the, we shut the door, we, we close the door in people's faces when, when they say, yes, I want that. I want to have a better life for my family. And so, and so I take issue with that piece. I also take issue with the way that Trump has handled this, where there is young, young people that are in cages that are being sexually assaulted, that are dying of, of illnesses because the lack, the lack of concern, the lack of decency to other humans. So I, I, I'm not in agreement. 10 seconds, Stephanie. Systematically, this is, it's just, we don't do this well. Um, and again, I, I say this particularly because my ancestors came on boats at the bottom show. So we're going to open it up to the floor. I'd like you two to speak to each other, engage about this topic of did the building the wall initiative led by the Trump administration makes sense. It sounds like we have clear disagreement here. Well, I guess my question to you, Stephanie, is did you have a problem with the cages when Barack Obama built them? Well, I don't, I don't know that to be fact or fiction. Um, oh, that's a what fact. I, what, ooh, John. That's a fact. We can look it up. It's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm sorry. But, no, no, no. I see. Um, I will say uh, he, uh, let's say it is. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna lean into it and go with you. And and let's say that hopefully Ed's gonna fact check. But let's let's say Barack built so. the cage. Let's say Barack 
uh, built the the little cages. Uh, Trump is the one that has shoved these little children into them. And no, so- No, I'll wait till you finish. I didn't want to be an interrupter. Uh, thank you, John, because I sure was about to pull out my Kamala Harris and say I'm speaking. <laughs> But but none but nonetheless, uh, I think that there's something systematically wrong with the way that we pick and choose who is coming who is coming in. I think the wall is I I think it's just another ridiculous ploy by by Trump. By the way, John, do you know who's going to be paying? Do you have we have we come to a conclusion on who's paying for it? Uh, no. And oh, okay. My point of view. I have no problem as an American taxpayer paying for it. Wow. I mean, I know Trump's promise was Mexico is going to pay for it. To me, I don't I don't have an issue with my tax dollars going to that because they go to so many things that are worthless, our tax dollars. Some will probably agree on, some we wouldn't. Sure. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a problem to have a few of my tax dollars go to build a wall to to keep, again, the wrong people out. If you're, when you cross a border illegally, you are committing a crime. So now you're a criminal. There's no way around it. And you said that Trump is pushing them little babies in the cages. Actually, it's their parents and it's their handlers that are putting them in the cages by bringing them across illegally. 30 seconds left. The people who are bringing them across that little river you talked about, are the people who are trying to make a better life for them. And, and I, I challenge you to lean into the idea of if the roles were reversed and if that was your family. And, and we can say, oh, they did the right way. Oh, my ancestors didn't have a choice. And some of these people don't have a choice because they're escaping horrid conditions in the country that they're coming from. And so I, I ask you to lean into the conversation and say, if, the, if there was no opportunity and there was no legal way for your family to come from where they were coming from, and they were trying to escape into, a, they were trying to move into a better life. 10 seconds. Would they not do everything they possibly could to get there? I believe they would, but I also believe they wouldn't break the law. I mean, that's how we were raised. I have a question for each of you. I'll start with you, Stephanie. How would you argue the how would you argue against the idea that the wall is built as protection from individuals that could be potential bad actors trying to gain access into the United States? It it for me it's ridiculous. We have problems within the United States. I I think that just based on the language that our current sitting president has used. That is not, we cannot make assumptions and blanket statements about people who are coming over the border, whether there's a wall there or not, whether there's a little river there or not. The assumptions, they're no better than the stereotypes and the racism and the bias that are already here in the United States. And we're, we're deflecting and projecting those things onto these people that we know nothing about. We're just making assumptions. I think it's atrocious. John, your question. You mentioned in your statement that immigration needs to change. What type of changes were you looking for or referring to? Well, I'm no expert on immigration, um, and I really don't know the process, but I do know the process can move slow. That could be the reason why it moves slow is because it's overwhelmed because everyone wants to come here because it is such a great country. So I'm not sure 
of actual policies, how to change them? Because I, I really don't know them and I would be ignorant to speak on something that I'm not sure of. Why do you think that it needs to change? Well, I think it's slow and I think people are impatient. You know, when you're leaving one country, like I could tell you, here's the story of my grandparents. They came here. I'll give you my 12-year-old grandmother. She came here by herself. So she came here and she got to Ellis Island. She was basically put in a home. Or today they would bill it as a prison until she was older and was able to go off on her own with fa with other family members after they verified that they were her family members that were already in this country because she came with no parents. Um, so today, if we took... These Mexicans, we're, we're, we'll say Mexicans because we're talking about the border wall, got them at the point of entry and said, okay, you want to come here? Well, we have to make sure, A, you're a good, you're going to be a good citizen and you're going to assimilate to this country. And and then you put them in a room or, or a facility until we get them there. But they don't want to wait. So they come, they, they don't want to take the process. Now, are they sitting in a facility probably too long? Absolutely. We have to find a way to vet these people and either say, yes, you could become an American citizen or no, you have to go back. And it is our right to send you back. Stephanie, your thoughts in response to John's comment? I just disagree. Uh, and and I, I disagree. One, because I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the word assimilation, so. But that's I, actually I, written in the immigration policy and, and you could look it up and it, it's- Well, you're becoming an said, expert. Look at you uh, becoming an expert now. Well, I, I read a lot. Um, it says assimilate. There, that's the actual word there, assimilate. And yes, you could listen. I I am born in this country, so I am an American Italian. My grandparents were Italian Americans. I love my culture. Celebrate your culture, everything. But you have to be American first. If you're here, you want to be an American. If you're coming here, you want to be an American. So let's be American. Let's put America first. If it's so great where you're coming from, why don't you just stay? If you want to come here and bring and change America to where you are, just stay where you are. I don't think that's what, I don't think that's the point when they're coming. Not the all of them. I, I don't think it's fair to make, I don't think it's fair to just make statements and assume that we know in regards to why they're leaving. I think that a majority, if, if we read, you said you like to read, me too. So we can agree there. I think that if we're, we're, we're doing our research and we're reading, we know that a majority of these people are trying to find a better life, period. It has nothing to do about becoming this American. I, want, I just want a better life. I want a better life for my family. I want a better life for my children. I want a better life so that we can progress. And that doesn't necessarily mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm jumping on the bandwagon of, of becoming an American. That's not, that might not be where they're coming from. They're coming to in search of a better life of, of living, which at, at this point, I don't know if it's a better life over here, but you know, I, I just, I take issue with just some of the wording, but, but ultimately what it boils down to is on this issue, we dis we disagree with some things. Absolutely. And that's Great. okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's okay. So we're going to move on to our next topic. John, I believe that you are in the position to start us off. The topic is based on the last several months, if not longer, we've had several situations where the police have acted outside the bounds of their jurisdiction, so to speak, and have slain people in public 
sometimes even with a public audience present. We've seen killings that have that have taken place in public and have been viewed in public gone through the media swirl, gone through the swirl of public opinion for a series of weeks. These conversations and these events have led to the idea of defunding the police. Are you in favor or against the idea of defunding the police? John, lead us off, please. Well, I'm completely against defunding the police. Unfortunately, we need them. Unfortunately, police officers are just like doctors, lawyers, and any other thing. There are a lot of good ones, and there are some bad ones, and that's, that's very sad. No one wants to see any type of loss of life under any circumstances. But as I mentioned in my opening statement, doing what I do now, with self-defense protection. I've been in security, whether started out in working in an arena and I went all the way up to doing private bodyguarding. I don't think a lot of people understand when you have to restrain somebody, how hard it actually is. And that's not an excuse because some people take it over. I I've seen it in my business where there are guys I won't work with. I'd be like, it's not the job. It's not personal, it's not the job. Again. There are bad cops. There's bad everything. There's bad everything. Bad school teachers, bad nurses. But I will say, and this is going to sound really harsh, and I know I'm going to upset you here, Stephanie, and I don't mean to. I asked the question a few months ago on my Facebook page. I would like to see the case where a suspect that the police were called for 100% complied with the police when they got there and was shot and killed. I, I would like to see that case. Now, the George Floyd case, that's ridiculous in my opinion. What that cop did is despicable. And I'm not just putting this out to, to black people with, with police, I'm putting this out to white people because statistically more white people are killed by cops than black people. That's a, that's a factual statistic that I look at, like Ed knows me a long time. I carry a firearm everywhere I go. And I went through a divorce back in 2009 where finances weren't great. And I was driving an old beat up Honda. And you know what? I got pulled over once a week in that car because they were trying to live stop me. They knew. So I was being profiled. And you know what? I knew it and it aggravated me. But I sat there and said, I have a firearm on my right hip. My hands are on the steering wheel. And I'd either get a ticket or I wouldn't get a ticket and get sent away. Right, so I John. think it's the way you handle it when you're having these encounters also. Thank you, John. Yeah. Stephanie? One, one thing I think it's important to point out is this isn't new. This is, um, this is law enforcement piece isn't something new. It's something that's been filmed. And so many people have said that. So I'm just repeating. That's one and two, um, the defunding of the police is not dismantling the police. Those are two different words. They mean two different things. Defunding, when we're talking about funding in these recent months, we're talking about reallocating funds so that there is a little less interaction and reallocating those funds where, you may ask, but to community and social services and those sorts of, of things. That's one. Two, I can name you several black bodies that have dropped that have been compliant and have not 
deserved um, to lose their lives. Breonna Taylor being the, the most recent, and we can't seem to get justice for Breonna Taylor. She was in her room and she was asleep. We can talk about Tatiana Hall. We can talk about Ahmaud Aubrey, who was, he, that wasn't even a, po that was, they were, they were police officers off duty chasing Ahmaud Aubrey down the street while he was jogging and shot him in, in, in close range for, the, for all of us to see. So we can talk about body after body that has dropped. We can talk about, we can talk about Ferguson. We can talk about more but hands up, more don't you? More. Hold on, hold on. It's her I'm time. sorry. That's okay. And, and, so, and, and so I think that what we need to understand is that this defunding of the police is about reallocating those funds because it seems as though the police don't necessarily know when to, well, I, I take that back. They do know, because you know what? For every school shooter, for the for every school shooting, for every church shooting, for every mall shooting, for the Walmart, for the theaters, they seem to be able to get those white bodies out of those spaces quite fine. They seem to be able to negotiate and talk to them and make sure they get to jail and make sure they're handcuffed. We have traffic, we have men and women who have been stopped by by the police at traffic stops, similar to the ones that you have just mentioned, John, and they have gone to police, they have gone to the police station and they have never left those police stations. Stephanie, so, I'm gonna let you continue, although, but I'm gonna open it up to the floor so John can respond. Although we can say, and and I would I would rather fact check than than repeat, but although we wanna say that you know, white people are killed more often by police. I, I, I take question with that. And I also take question, I, I take issue with that. I, I, I don't know if, if that's 100% accurate. Um, well, you can fact check it. it. And well, it is 100% accurate. Great. And, and that's, you, that's great. You, you bring up Breonna Taylor, and I'm kind of glad you did. Did you read the grand jury report on why they're rhetoric? not indicted? Is that I mean, I'm asking, you asking? No, it's, yes, it's public. I, I, I have read it. Okay, so it was a no-knock warrant, so they didn't even have to knock on the door. They knocked on the door, announced police. Her boyfriend, who was in the house, shot at police first, and she was standing in the hallway. She wasn't sleeping in bed. She was standing in the hallway in front of her boyfriend, who was shooting at the police. When they returned fire, unfortunately, she was hit. Now, she didn't bring that on herself because he started shooting first. And, you know, the excuse, well, I didn't, he didn't hear it was the police. Doesn't matter. It's a no-knock warrant. What we so, failed to, what, what we failed to, what you have failed to mention is that there was neighbors who have now changed or, or have not. Um, it's been a long day, so bear with me. Sure. But we have neighbors that have changed and said that the police did not announce themselves. And if someone was walking outside of my house, in fact... Somebody was walking outside of my house the other night and it was 10 o'clock at night and they were coming up our driveway with a flashlight and I knew they weren't supposed to be here. If somebody is outside of your house and they're creeping around and you don't know if your life is in danger and they have not announced themselves, then absolutely you are trying to defend your family. Those I 100% agree took, with you. Those police officers took that young man into custody after they did not announce themselves. They have not been brought to trial or have been persecuted for killing that woman. Her birth certificate, her death certificate says that she was unharmed and that woman had eight bullets in her body. They have made it a, 
a, sh a shamble. Daniel Cameron or Daniel Cameron has not been doing his job and his due diligence. Breonna Taylor is really one of the topics that I personally don't even think we should go down this road because I will oh, tell you exactly. that it is a fiery one. And I yeah, will tell is. you again that my Black brothers and sisters, Sandra, Sandra Bland, and many others have died in the custody of white police officers that have failed to do their job when it has come to brown and Black bodies. But when it has come to white bodies, they seem to be doing it just fine. They can talk, they can negotiate, they can get the gun out of the hand, they can, they can carry them. When they find them in the woods, they're escorting them, they're high-fiving, they're making sure they're all good. And so there are two, there are two justice systems and the, the police department, the, the system of enforcing and, and law enforcement that is rooted in the, the, the depth and the hell of slavery and being enslaved people. And that's how they would police our, our ancestors to go and find them when they have run away from their masters, right? And so this very system of policing comes from a place that is no good which is why defunding is so important for reassessing what the root of this system is made out of and what it is built from. When the foundation is rotten, rotten, none of it is good. When the seed of the apple is rotten, none of it is good. And so how this system is set up, it's no good. We got about 30 seconds left. I'm gonna give the time to John. So you also mentioned Ferguson, which was the falsehood of hands up, don't shoot. Michael Brown attacking a police officer. That's untrue. What is the police officer? It is true. It is, true. is true. Forensic that evidence. No, see, you just refuse to you you refuse to see the facts. They're wrong. And you know what? Maybe in these other cases, when they take people into custody after they shoot people, maybe they complied with the police when the police put guns on them. Maybe they Michael dropped Brown their was gun and on put the their, corner with his friend. Michael Brown was that, inside police that police window. Forensic evidence officer. proved it. So you 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 don't like facts. That's what it is. And you keep referring to black and brown people only. Do you care about white people at all? Because it doesn't would, sound I, like you do. Uh, you said it from the from the first thing I, about masks. I absolutely care about all human beings, to be a hundred percent honest, but you know who I care about the most are my people. I care about the people that look like me, that breathe like me, that have the same injustices coming towards them as me. As I raise a young black man, I am concerned about him not being a body that drops because my black men, the kings that, that are the patriarchs of our families, their bodies are dropping. So yes, I take issue and I, I will absolutely 100% say that I for certain care about my people a, a whole lot. That doesn't mean I disregard. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't care about other human beings, but I'm rooting for my people absolutely the hardest. And I am standing beside them in solidarity with them 100% all the time. And ignoring I, facts. These aren't ignoring facts. Oh, well, well they well, are. You know what? Why do people want to be oppressed so bad? I mean, yo, I, I, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't handle it. When they came over here, when they came over here in the thirties, there, there were advertisements, Italians need not apply, Italians get out. That's why they stayed in their own neighborhoods and created small businesses within themselves to survive because they didn't want the Italians here. So that, don't tell that, me, I, I don't know. Uh, my, my, my family 
was oppressed too when they came to this country. That, and let me tell you that, something. That, that is 100%, that is, a, I 100% hear you. However, your family wasn't drinking from colored fountains versus black fountains. When I look on my, when I look on my um, father's birth certificate, he, your, your father wasn't labeled as a derogatory term for uh, Italian, but my father's birth certificate says Negro. When we can go toe to toe, but it's not the oppression Olympics. The facts are the no. facts. And they so what it, boils, the, what it boils down to is when we look at over 400, de 400 decades of oppression of black people, let's call a spade a spade and what that looks like. And it is continued into this the policing of our communities. It has continued with disparities in healthcare. It has continued with our education system. It has continued with how our children are taught in the schools. It has continued with from school to, to jail, the pipeline of how well, often our black boys and our black girls are going, are being, the police are being called on them and they're in fourth grade, fifth grade and sixth grade. It is, it is true when we talk about adultification of are young people. I had someone ask me if my son was 10 years old today. My son is six. It, 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 the continuation of all these things, they all feed into each other. And so it's, you wanna talk about facts. We can go, I can go toe to toe when it comes to this. Because so the, let's, the, let's, let's pull back a little bit. We're doing fine. I will let's go a little bit into time because I appreciated giving you guys the time. So we're gonna, we're gonna stay we're going to stay on track here. Don't worry. We're going to go to our next topic. Okay, let's take a breath. Let's take a pause. Everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> okay, all right. We're still here. This is what I we want. I still like you, Stephanie. That's right. Uh, listen, this is not uh, what I, what I like to say is this is not personal. This is No, strictly, not at all. This, this is, is what we want. This is what we issue. want. Okay, we're, we're talking. We're talking. And for Flipside Podcast, Conversations create change. Okay, so let's right. let's let's stay here. Okay, let's stay on time. Tune in next week to hear the dramatic conclusion to our dynamic debate as we explore part two of a conservative and a liberal respectfully disagree. On next week's episode of the Flipside Podcast. We, we've never said that all lives don't matter. We haven't said blue lives don't matter. But what we have said is all of our lives can't matter until Black lives begin to matter. You can't equate the Black lives affirmation or the movement to the KKK because white bodies weren't dropping. Thanks for listening to the Flipside Podcast. Every Thursday, we will share a new episode primed with direct conversations and interviews about topics that challenge original thoughts. You can subscribe and download the Flipside podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Most importantly, we want to hear from you. So search for the Flipside pod on Instagram to submit questions and suggest new topics. Until next time, I'm Ed Hill, and remember, conversations create change.